Welcome to Tablets Parsha in Progress, where we talk about the Torah portion of the week and why it matters. I'm Abigail Pogrebin, author of My Jewish Year, 18 Holidays, One Wandering Jew. And I'm Rabbi Dov Linzer, head of Yeshivat Chovevei Torah Rabbinical School. And we're talking Torah together, not just because the Hebrew Bible is so challenging and relevant today, but because we found that this ancient text comes to life in conversation, especially between two people who practice Judaism very differently. Hi, Dove. Hey, Abby. And this week we are taking on one of the darkest chapters in Torah. In the middle of Genesis comes the rape of Dina. Cue the dark music. <laughs> yeah, it's in Parshat Vayishlach, and Dina's a daughter. We didn't even know almost Jacob had, and there's a whole story about her. Right, we know about the sons, but not about the daughter. And Dina was raped, correct? Yes. Here are the verses. And Dina, the daughter of Leah, whom she had borne unto Jacob, went out to see the daughters of the land, and Shechem the son of Hamor, the Hivite, the prince of the land, saw her. We're talking about Shechem here. Yes. <laughs> and he took her and lay with her and humbled her, or the uh, the Hebrew suggests... Or afflicted her. Afflicted her. And his soul did cleave unto Dina, the daughter of Jacob, and he loved the damsel and spoke comfortingly unto the damsel. And Shechem, again the rapist, spoke unto his father Hamor, saying, quote, get me this damsel to wife. When was the last time you used the word damsel, Abby? Maybe That's James what I want to know. <laughs> James at sea. Now Jacob heard that he had defiled Dina, his daughter, and his sons were with his cattle in the field, and Jacob held his peace until they came. Jacob is quiet until he talks, he comes back and talks to his sons yeah. about what happened. So now we're going to do a deep dive into the text. Now basically, let's, let's just understand what's happened here. Dina went out. Right. She wanted to see went out the where? people of the land into the town. And she wanted to it's not know, her mingle. Town. It's not her town. It's the Hevites. It's the non, not the Jewish people. And she wants to mingle. And this, uh, the prince of the town sees her and he takes her. He rapes her. That is the word to afflict in, in this context with sleeping is he rapes her. And then he and, loves her. And then he loves her. And then he asks for her hand in marriage so from romantic. her father, Jacob. So oh, romantic. Yes, totally. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and then the part you didn't read is that the sons managed to convince him and all the townspeople to circumcise themselves if they wanted to marry their sister. Wait, stop. So he wants to marry Dina. Yes. And they say, if you want to marry Dina... You have to circumcise all your people. Correct. It's a, it's a, a pretty high high barter. Yeah. He, and he convinces them to do it. His and people, they do it. And they do it. And then two of Dina's brothers, Simeon and Levi, go in with their swords and slaughter the whole town and take... While they're recovering from the From foreskins. the circumcision yeah. and uh, take their sister and leave. That's the story. Very bloody end. Yes. So the question we want to talk about today is we never hear from Dina... Correct. Right. She has no words. She has no lines. No voice. No voice. And yet, in modern readings, people are actually seeing some agency on her part. That in some senses, she wasn't given her due in this story. Right. Because they see that in the traditional reading, I mean, not only is she a victim that she's raped, but even the men that are defending her honor are doing it, you know, without any participation of her. She's doing not it consulted. on her behalf. They're she's not, not consulted. consulted. She's always acted upon, whether to be defended or whether to be attacked. So she's a victim multiple times. 
And traditionally, the rabbis even blame her a little bit for this. They say, what was she doing mingling with the daughters of the land? You know? It's like in today's parlance, like, why'd you go out dressed like that? Exactly. You must have been asking for it. So Rashi, an 11th century French commentator, the classic commentator of the Bible, says that, uh, that what was she doing going out and mingling with the daughters? And she's a daughter of, why does it say she's a daughter of Leah? She's a daughter of Jacob. Well, she's learning from her mother. She doesn't stay at home like a good Jewish woman should. So she deserved it. Yeah. But in the last, what, 20 years, we've seen a more feminist take on Dina, which is that her silence, first of all, mirrors the silence of so many women right. who didn't have agency. And maybe actually, she this was a consensual relationship. She desired this guy, Shechem, and they couldn't deal with it. Her brothers couldn't <laughs> deal with it. Her father couldn't deal with it. And ultimately, they called it a rape because she had no right to choose to be with somebody that wasn't a Jew and wasn't chosen for her. Right. So what, so what you're saying is, is that this story could actually have looked very different through Dina's eyes. That what we're getting in the Torah is the story through the eyes of Jacob and the sons, and they're seeing this as a rape. They have no other way of explaining it. But through Dina's eyes, it was a completely different story. And so what I guess I struggle with is like, can we just Wait a minute, do who that? says this crazy thing? <laughs> I mean, come on, that's not what the text is saying. Who says this? So, for instance, Anita Diamond in The Red Tent, a bestseller, yeah. she reframes the story wholly, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. gives Dina a real character and, right. and decision-making. Yeah. And I have seen uh, rabbis really resist the idea that you could reinvent this story. So I guess my question is, can you? And is it kind of just a random throwing spaghetti at the wall and deciding that mm-hmm. Dina has a voice when she clearly doesn't? Right. Or is the text kind of giving us the opening to read her more, com- more complicatedly? Yeah, I mean, I think... More humanly. More humanly. So, for instance, the fact that it says in the text, Shechem loved her and spoke to her heart. That's a quote from Genesis. Right, right. 34-3. Yeah. So, does that not suggest that this might have been a relationship? Does that leave that opening? So... I still think that, you know, the literal reading of the text is that he raped her, but I think that it's good Jewish tradition to give alternative readings of the text, even ones that don't fit into the literal reading. That's what we call midrash, is when the rabbis imagine other stories that are going on. You know, sometimes they do it to fill the openings of the text, but sometimes they do it in ways that is not consistent with the literal meaning of the text. Um, I have to say that one of the things that bothers me about this approach is less whether it's the literal meaning of the text, but... It dismisses the rape. Yeah, like I feel like, haven't we just made her a victim again? Like if she really was raped and now we're saying, oh, you weren't raped. You You, actually... You you, you wanted it. It was consensual. Well, you enjoyed it. Yeah, exactly. So, um, but... It's a a dangerous feminist reading. It ends up being an anti-feminist feminist reading. (laughs) But the flip side is, is that you can imagine a series of events that through the eyes of Jacob and the brothers, you know, was rape. Looked and through one the way. Eye, looked one way. And through the eyes of Dina, whose voice we never hear because we don't hear women's voices, you know, was a very different story. So that, there's real power to that. And that's also how I would deal with the fact like, oh, it's not the meaning of the text. It's like maybe the text is telling us the story through the eyes of Jacob and the brothers. Maybe it's not telling us the whole story. But, but I want to go back to the point. Does that resonate with you that it's a problem to give her agency that winds up dismissing the fact that she was raped? I get uncomfortable with the idea that we might minimize an assault, a sexual assault, by saying actually it was a romantic encounter. Yeah. So yes, I struggle with it. But I also want to be open enough to say that we're missing a lot of data here. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's partly because it was men writing it. Yeah. And that there is something to be said for what's between the lines. Yeah. All right, Abby. So what's your one sentence takeaway? What do you get out of this story? 
that the confusion is possibly intentional. And what we learn from Torah is sometimes you are left with questions, not answers, and a little bit of discomfort about really what is the truth. Mm. What about you, Dove? What's your takeaway before Shabbat? My first takeaway is that however far we think we've advanced as a society, problems that were with us thousands of years ago, we haven't really escaped, and they're still with us today, maybe in Dina was the first form. me too. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and I, my other takeaway is that um, we have to really always know that, uh, the, that how radically different events can be heard and told over based on who's telling the story. And I do think we need to add that for anyone who has been sexually assaulted, this could be a very hard Parsha to parse. Yeah. We hope you'll join us next time for Parsha in Progress. I'm Abby Pogrevin. And I'm Dove Linzer. Nice to talk to you, Dove. Nice talking, Abby. Parsha in Progress is hosted and written by Abby Pogrebin and Rabbi Dove Linzer. The show is edited by Jacob Siegel, produced by Josh Cross, and is executive produced by Tablet Magazine. Thanks for listening.